We've been talking the past couple of weeks using the metaphor of running to think about journeys of faith. And we've done that because in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And we're thinking about the journeys of faith that each of us are on, whether the sort of smaller journey of the particular event we're in right now or the larger journey, which is our Christian life. We're thinking of that in terms of the idea of running a race. And this week, as I was thinking about the idea of running, I came across an anonymous quote that was quite powerful. Let me share it with you. The quote is, it's very hard in the beginning to understand that the whole idea is not to beat the other runners. Eventually you learn that the competition is against the little voice inside you that wants to quit. The competition is with the little voice inside you that wants to quit. I thought this was a very insightful comment about the struggle of running. The problem with running is it doesn't matter how great of a runner you are, it doesn't matter what kind of great physical fitness you are, what physical shape you may be in, it doesn't matter how long you're doing it, every single person who runs finds a time when they hit the wall, when they simply cannot go any further, when they want to quit, when they want to be done, they want the pain to be over, they simply cannot make it another step. And so we did this last week, which was a little bit of sort of uh, participation. And so I'm wondering, now I do know it's kind of hard to put this into little sound bites that you can uh, shout back at me, but I'm wondering, for those who are runners or have been runners or just maybe athletes in general, what strategies do you use when you hit the wall? What do you do to keep going, to keep running, when you think there's absolutely no way you can take another step? Focus. What do you focus on? Breathing. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to just sort of narrow down, okay, look, I just got to take another breath. Great. What else do you do? Next 10 steps. That's right. Think about what's something just immediate that you can do. Can I make it another 10 steps? Can I make it another minute? Can I go one more mile? Great. What's that? Finish. Think about what's coming at the finish. How great it will be to achieve that goal that you've set for yourself. What your time might be. How you're going to feel when you're done. Awesome. Thank you. What's that? Yell out loud. All right. I'm not a runner, so that may be great. Are you yelling encouragement or anger or what? Just, is it just the release of energy? The, yeah, maybe. That's great. What else? Focus on the runner in front of you. Try to catch uh, the runner in front of you. Instead of thinking about it in terms of this big, long race, uh, just one person in front of you. Great. Great. Thinking about your kids at the other end, kind of a vision of the future and how proud they're going to be of you and the fact that when you get there, uh, you're going to be able to share this moment with them. What about perhaps uh, having a strategy of maybe a mantra that you kind of repeat to yourself or something to encourage yourself along the way? Yeah, that's right. Another one uh, someone uh, mentioned was prayer. Sort of like, Lord, please don't let me die. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, get me through this. 
Now, I realize it's kind of tough to think about. You may have a, a more sort of uh, a, a strategy that's kind of hard to put into a little sound bite. But the point is, is that everybody, everybody, when they're running a race, gets to a point where they don't want to go any further. And it's not a matter of one, it's a matter of they're pretty sure they can't go any further. And you hit a wall physically, psychologically, emotionally. Well, the same is true for the journeys of faith that are our Christian lives. The, the races that God has marked out for us <clears throat> on the journeys of faith. This is why I love the story of Elijah. Elijah is this great hero of faith. He's this great prophet. And in 1 Kings 18, Elijah has this amazing, epic, biblical moment where God rains down fire from heaven in response to Elijah's prayer. And Elijah's able to turn the hearts of the Israelites back to God. It's this confrontation with Baal and Elijah on the Mount, of, uh, Mount Carmel, and God shows up in the most tangible, powerful, visible, undeniable way, and the hearts of Israel turn back to God. All except Jezebel, who's the queen. Who instead of repenting, makes it her singular mission to hunt down Elijah and kill him. And Elijah, after this great literal mountaintop experience, is now on the run for his life. And I'm sure he's thinking to himself, if that didn't convince her, nothing is going to. And so we get to 1 Kings 19, and it says this about Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah is broken. His feet ache. He cannot go any further. In the journey of faith, this is him quitting. This is him saying, I simply can't take another step. I can't go any farther. Have you been in a place like this? Have you been in a place, perhaps in a marriage, that this journey of faith, it's been such a struggle for so long that you finally hit a wall and say, I can't take it anymore. I can't do it. I've been trying to do this the right way. I simply cannot press on through this anymore. Have you been there perhaps with a child? Maybe you have a difficult child and you have tried everything under the sun for years and years and you have prayed, you've done everything you're supposed to do and it seems like you just can't get through this. Have you been there with a health situation? Where the, just the pain, the constant pain and you just want to say, Lord, please, I'm done. Just take my life, I'm done. I can't go any further, I can't take another step. Have you been there with a construction project? A new house build or a remodel or something where you get in the middle of it and nothing seems to work and you have been going around in this for certain and you finally just want to burn the house down. They're like, look, I'll take the insurance money. I cannot do this anymore. I never want to see a drawing the rest of my life. Have you been there with a job search? Where rejection after rejection after rejection, it just keeps coming and finally you reach a point where I can't take it anymore. 
I don't want to apply for any more jobs. I don't want to hear how I was the second candidate. I don't want to hear about how I almost got it. I'm done. I quit. I cannot do another step. Have you experienced this with sports? Maybe there's an injury that keeps occurring over and over again, ruining your seasons. Maybe it's your team loses week after week after week and you just think, that's it, I don't want, this isn't what I signed up for. I can't stand it. I can't go another week doing this. How's it happened to you in the adoption process? We got all signed up, ready to adopt a child, and then waiting week after week after week, month after month. Why does this have to take so long? False start after false start. And you say, God, I'm done. I tried to do what you asked me to do, and you sent me on this journey. I cannot take it anymore. And in mind or body or spirit or soul, you simply want to say with Elijah, I quit. I quit. You know, we had these great mountaintop experiences, but I'm still being hunted. I quit. Well, if you're there this morning, if you're in the race of life and you hit the wall, I have a word of encouragement for you. A word of encouragement from God to you. Four strategies for how to keep going when you think you cannot take another step. So if you would, take a Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, it's page 974 in the church Bibles. 974 in the church Bibles. Hebrews 10, we're going to look at verses 32 to 39. Now, if you've been paying attention as we've gone through our sermon series in Hebrews, you may remember from last week that we left off at the end of verse 25. We're starting today at verse 32, and you may say, well, what happened to verses 26 through 31? Great question. Glad, for, glad you asked. Verses 26 through 31 we covered when we went through Hebrews 6. Essentially what verses 26 through 31 do is they're the warning that you and I need to keep going on the journey. They're the warning that bad things happen if we quit the race. We've already heard that warning, and so we're moving on to verses 32 to 39, which are the strategies for how to keep going. So having been warned, God is not just warning us, he's also giving us four strategies that we can employ that will help us when we hit that wall, when we think we can't take another step, how to keep going. Listen as I read verses 32 to 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved." 
In verse 36, it says you need to persevere. The word for persevere is the same word for endure or the same word for endurance. And when you think about an endurance runner, this is a person who in running long distances hits the wall or reaches a point where they can't go any further, but in order to make it to the end of the race, they have to endure. They have to keep going. And here in this passage, God says, look, you're going to hit the wall in your Christian life. There is going to be something on the journey that you've been asked to do where you simply cannot take another step. You simply can't go any further. Where you're absolutely convinced you're not going to make it. When you hit that point, you need to endure. You need to keep going. How? Four strategies from this passage. First strategy. Look back. Look back. Verses 32 to 34. Remember those earlier days. We talk about when you're a runner, one of the strategies that can be used to help you keep going is to look back at how far you've already come. If you're running a marathon, to be able to say, I've already made it 20 miles. I've already come this far. I don't want to quit now. If you're out running, you may look back and say, remember what it was like before you started running, before you started getting in shape, how you felt about yourself. Look how far you've come. Now's not the time to quit. There can be something very powerful about looking behind you to see just how much progress you've made, to say, I can make it. Remember that race I thought I wasn't going to make it in a year ago? I did make it. It can be helpful to look back. Here in verse 32 through 34, the author of Hebrews is reminding his audience, us, remember what God has done for you. Remember how far you've come. Remember the successes. You thought back then you weren't going to make it either, but God showed up and he did amazing things. He brought you through suffering. He brought you through difficult times. Remember that. You just heard the story of Drew and Erica Roloffs and, the, and their move to Zambia. Now, when I hear that story, my natural assumption is here's this wonderful family, part of Calvary Church. God has used this church to really help them grow in their faith. He brought them all the way to the point of getting them to move to Africa, which seems sort of like the cliche thing of the really, really difficult thing to do. You think, okay, well, once they're willing to do that, they're going to move overseas and everything's going to go fantastic. The entire country is going to come to faith. Something amazing is going to happen. It'll be smooth sailing. But it wasn't. First thing that happened when they got to Zambia to start this school and this ministry and this work was the housing that they were promised that was supposed to be ready wasn't ready and there wasn't any housing. Second thing, there was no water. They found snakes and spiders everywhere, terrifying. And if you listen to Drew and Erica tell their story, sort of the longer version, you would hear them say, they hit the wall. That Erica would say, as a mom trying to figure out how you're going to get water for your kids, spending all day trying to find water and boiling it and making it so they could drink it, they just, they simply couldn't go anymore. I mean, breakdown after breakdown, how are we going to make this? How, we can't even take another step. We, have no, we are all alone. How are we going to do this? And if you ask them, well, how did you keep going? 
they would tell you, we looked back. We looked back to all God did to get us to this place. We looked at how, we remembered how God miraculously raised our support in record time, most of it coming from this church to enable them to go over there. Look back on how God had sovereignly placed them in just the right small group who would continue to pray for them and wouldn't let anybody at Calvary Church forget about the fact that they were over there and needed water and that we were praying together daily for them over there because of their small group's leadership. Remember the fact that God had done so many things in their life to prepare them for that point. It wasn't like they became Christians and the next week God said move to Africa. He had taken them step by step that they were prepared for this. There is something incredibly powerful when you look back and you remember all that God has done to bring you to this point. Because one of the things is is you realize he's been training me for this moment. Yes, I'm beyond anything I think I'm going to be able to do, but everything in my life was leading up till this moment. I'm here at this moment, and I can make it because God has been getting me ready to do this. He put together the training plan. I followed the training plan. I'm going to make it because the training plan was good. The point is you can remember that God has not abandoned you on your journey. If he's not abandoned you so far, he's not going to abandon you now. Think back. Remember all the things God has done. Remember the ways he's rescued you. Remember how he showed up. One of the things I tell people when they're going through a difficult season is find your psalm. What I mean by that is open up the book of Psalms and start reading until you find that psalm that really resonates with you and your situation. One of the psalms that's especially powerful for me with the idea of perseverance is Psalm 77. Psalm 77 begins, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. The idea is the psalmist is in the midst of distress. He's hit the wall. He doesn't think he can go any further. His journey of faith is not going well. And all night long, he is crying out to God. Now, the psalm continues in sort of a downward spiral. The psalmist keeps getting more and more discouraged, more and more depressed, more and more unable to go on any longer until he gets to verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. The psalmist realizes in the middle of his crisis, he doesn't know where God is. He doesn't know what God is up to. He's absolutely desperate, and so he decides, I'm gonna think back to all the things God did to get me to this point. Then his mood begins to brighten. Then he finds the energy to go on. And so if you're here and you've hit that wall, the first strategy is sit down today with your spouse or with a family member or with a small group or with a friend or just by yourself and go back through all the things God has done for you. Whether it's back to your salvation, whether it's miracles that happened when you were early on in your faith, whether it's things he's been doing, little glimpses of grace along the journey, go back and remember. And I think you'll find that God showed up over and over and over again on your journey of faith. And if he was present all that time, he's present now. And if he didn't abandon you then, if he didn't abandon you when you were in the middle of your sin, when you were his enemy, when you wanted nothing to do with him, 
Do you think he's going to abandon you now? First strategy, look back. Second strategy, look up. Verse 35, do not throw away your confidence. Now, we hear that in sort of modern Western culture, and we think, don't throw away your confidence. Okay, that means believe in yourself. You can do this. That's not what this means. When we hear the word confidence, we need to think about it not in terms of sort of our sort of human self-assurance. We need to think about it in terms of how it's being used in the book of Hebrews. And the use in verse 35 is conditioned by the use of this word earlier in the chapter. So glance up to verse 19 in chapter 10 because the same word appears. Chapter 10, verse 19 Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, what? Confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Same word. It's also used earlier in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, which says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Both Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 10 are talking about the same thing. They're not talking about human self-assurance. They're not talking about, come on, you can do this. They're talking about the fact that because Jesus died and we have signed a new covenant with God in his blood, we have complete and total freedom to come into God's throne room with confidence, with boldness and the point is is that when you get to the place where you simply cannot go on any further don't throw away your confidence meaning don't forget come into God's throne room look up see where he is come and talk to him this is what Elijah did Elijah wants to quit he wants to resign his commission what he does is he comes into God's throne room and basically says I quit I'm done We didn't read the rest of the story, but what God does is two things. One is he strengthens him. He sends an angel to help give him strength. The second thing he does, which is also just as useful, is he says, Elijah, let me tell you a little bit about how the plan works here. Because Elijah was assuming some things about God and what God was up to, and essentially was accusing God of not doing a very good job as God. And God said, without getting angry, Elijah, what you need is you need to know a little bit more about the plan and how your suffering fits into it. And so he explains it to him. And with those two things, Elijah keeps going. This is the point is is that, listen, one of the things that will happen when you hit that wall is Satan is going to tell you it's because of mistakes that you've made. Satan is going to tell you there's no, God doesn't want to hear you complaining. He doesn't want to hear you anger. You should be reverent. You shouldn't talk to him, those kinds of ways. I'm here to tell you that God's word says, with boldness, go into the throne of grace. If you're angry with God, go tell him. If you want to quit, go tell him. If you need help understanding how in the world what you're going through fits into the bigger picture, go ask him. The point is there is nothing you can do There is nothing you have done that can keep you from his throne room. Jesus died so that at any time, in any place, for any reason, 
can come to God. And the point is, is he knows you're going to hit the wall. He understands that. He's written it here. And the point is, is when you get to that place where you cannot go anymore, the worst thing you can do is throw away the fact that you have free entrance into the throne room of God. You may say, but I've made too many mistakes on the journey. No, you haven't. You may say, but I'm frustrated with God. That's okay, Elijah was too. God didn't get mad. You may say, but I just, I don't have any idea why I'm going through this. And who am I to ask God? Who you are is you are a believer in Jesus. And Jesus' blood has purchased you the right to come into the throne room, to ask for mercy and grace, strength to keep going. Do you really think that if you show up in the throne room and say, God, I cannot take another step, he's going to kick you out? He has never, ever done that. Second strategy, look up. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't forget about the fact that God gave you access to his throne room for just such a time as this. Third strategy, look forward. We talked about that, didn't we, when you, when you shared some of those suggestions. Just go to the next corner. Try to catch the next runner. Just run for a few more minutes. Envision what it will be like to see your children at the finish line. Envision what it will feel like to finish that goal, to, to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. Imagine how you're going to feel when you come in under the time that you had set for yourself. Imagine how you're going to feel uh, when you experience the fact that you, you did these things. The point is, is when you look through the pain to the joy at the end, it can keep you going. That's verses 35 through 37, the second half of 35. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The author of Hebrews is trying to take their attention off their present circumstances and putting it on the fact that good things are coming in the future. God will reward perseverance. God will reward these journeys of faith. This is the great thing about the journey of faith. Is that if we weren't Christians, well, they, it just could be random luck. It could just be bad luck, but that's not. You are running the race that God has marked out for you. And there's a prize waiting for you at the end of that race. Not just at the end of your life, but at the end of the smaller journeys of faith that you're on. We say this every week about Jesus in our benediction. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. What did Jesus do when he hit the wall? And he hits the wall in the Garden of Gethsemane where he cannot go any further. He doesn't think he can take another step. What does he do? He focuses on the joy that's coming after the cross. He's not excited about going to the cross. What he's excited about is right now. The fact that gathered together here in his presence are people that he has rescued from Satan, sin, and death that he's going to get to spend eternity with. 
This is the joy that was set before him. His focus was on that. He was able to endure the cross. He never enjoyed the cross. It was never a pleasant thing. It was never a fun thing. But he looked beyond the cross to the joy that was waiting. And so the thing for you and I is to think about in this journey of faith you're on, whether it's marriage difficulties, whether it's difficulties with grandchildren, health, finances, work, whatever it may be, what is the prize that's waiting for you at the end of it? Can you imagine it? Can you envision it? What might it, might it be that your children come to faith as they walk, watch you walk this journey of cancer? Could it be that your neighbor comes to faith as you put up with their idiosyncrasies and you get involved in the messiness of their lives? Could it be that God is going to root out of your life that pride that is so devastating and is going to teach you to be a humble and gracious person? Is what's coming at the end of this journey of faith a well done, good and faithful servant? Is what's coming at the end of this journey of faith some miraculous intervention from God which you and your children and your grandchildren in this church can all stand up and say, wow, isn't God amazing? You never would have gotten there without that journey. What is the prize that's waiting for you at the end? You may not know definitively what it is, but my guess is, is God's given you some ideas. He's given you some ideas that what you're going through right now is somehow going to be a blessing to you, to others, and to people around you. You see, all things work together for good. That's what God does. He brings good out of evil. Now you say, but maybe I'm on this journey of faith because I made mistakes. Maybe I'm on this journey of faith because I made some choices that God didn't want me to make. Listen, you are running the race that God marked out for you. I don't know how God used your mistakes and my mistakes and your choices and my choices to get us on the race that we're on, but we're on the race he marked out for us. And the point is, at the end of this race comes the blessing. That's why it says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The point is, think about the future. Look forward. Blessing is coming. Final strategy. Look again. We have look back, look up, look forward, and look again. As I was researching strategies that runners use to keep themselves going when they don't want to run anymore, I came across one that was initially sort of startling to me, but the more I thought about it, the more sense it made to me. And the piece of advice came from a long-distance runner who said, you need to realize that when you're running, you will not run out of breath. I thought about that for a moment. And the point was, look, your body is going to tell you you're going to suffocate, but you're not. That's true, isn't it? You get to the point where you think, I'm not going to get another breath. Like, I can't breathe anymore. But the point is, is you will continue to take breaths. And the point, the, 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 the thing to realize is, look, your mind and your body are telling you something that isn't really true. Your mind and your body are telling you, we're going to die. But that's probably not the case. So it is with journeys of faith. Verses 38 and 39. But my righteous one will live by faith. 
and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. The point is, look again at your situation, look again at yourself, and look again at your God, but this time with the eyes of faith. This time with the eyes of faith. I know it feels like you're not going to make it. But God says... You do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You may say, but I don't feel like I'm going to make it. I feel like a quitter. That may be what your mind and your spirit and your body are telling you. I'm telling you what God says. God says to you this morning, you do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You are who God says you are. That's the point is, look, in the middle of this experience, whatever it is that you're going through, I am absolutely 100% convinced that your soul, your spirit, your emotions, your body is telling you, you cannot go on. But God is saying, I will get you through. Notice it says, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Not those who have faith and pull themselves up by their bootstrap. No, not those who have faith who dig down deep and find their second wind. The point is, look, your deliverer is coming. Your rescuer will show up. I know you think you're not going to make it, but you making it does not depend on you. It depends on God. And the point is God has given you his spirit and has declared about you and about me that we are not quitters. Now you say, well, I feel like a quitter. I sure have quit a lot of stuff. I hear you. Me too. But I'm telling you what God says. And the reason you keep going is because when your body or mind says, I'm going to die if I take another step, you have to realize, but that's not the truth, even though that's the way you feel. And when your spirit says, I cannot go any further, you have to realize that's not true. But God has said, you do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Not you should belong to those. This is who you are. God has made you that by his spirit. By nature, you may not be that kind of person. By God's spirit, you are. And so go back to whatever situation you're in and realize that if you are on the journey of faith that God put you on, you are going to finish that journey. Not because you're going to dig down deep and inspire yourself to do it, but because God is absolutely faithful. Because God will show up you are those who have faith and get rescued. You're in the middle of a difficult marriage. It's going to end well. How? I have no idea. But if you are a follower of Jesus, he will not abandon you. He will show up and rescue you. That's why we began the series in the book of Hebrews with chapter 1, which says the journey ends well. You having trouble with your kids? It's going to end okay. It's going to end well. How? I don't have any idea. 
But I know that God has said, you are one who has faith and those who have faith get rescued. Your deliverer is coming. The construction project, the the financial situation, the work situation, the neighborhood relationship, the health issue, whatever it is, it ends well. I have no idea how. I don't know what the details are, but I do know that the God who says, you do not belong to those who shrink back, but to those who have faith and are safe, doesn't lie. And I know that he's got a perfect record of 100% being absolutely faithful, always showing up. And you can know that he will rescue you. And so the fourth strategy, look again. Look again at who you are, not deep in your soul, but who God is making you. Look again at your situation, not as some random collection of bad luck, but as the race God marked out for you that trained you for and prepared you for. And look again at this God who is absolutely faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. So I have an assignment for you. If you're on your journey of faith and you've hit the wall and you can't go on, today, not tomorrow, today, I want you to do four things. Number one, I want you to go home and I want you to spend some time looking back. I want you to write down the things that God has done for you in the past. I want you to write down the ways in which he's been preparing you for this journey that you're on right now. I want you to write down the ways he showed up along the way. Number two, I want you to look up. I want you to spend some time in prayer. If you're tired, go tell him you're tired. If you need some sort of explanation to understand how your suffering fits into the bigger picture, go ask him for it. If you need strength to go on, go ask him for it. Number three, I want you to spend some time looking forward. Envision what might be the potential good that can come out of this. Just dream. I know you don't know exactly what God's going to do, but he's probably given you some indications. Write down four or five things that could potentially be good that come out of this. And then number four, go back and think about the situation you're in differently. Meaning, what if this is exactly the race you're supposed to be running? What if God himself placed you on this race? What if God himself is your training partner and has prepared you for this? And what if it is true that you are those who belong to the, those who have faith and will be saved? What difference will that make in how you look at the situation you're in? If I guaranteed you that God will show up and rescue you, How does that make you think about your situation differently? That's your assignment. I encourage you to do it today. Look back, look up, look forward, and look again with the eyes of faith. Let's pray together. Lord, even young people grow tired and weary. We stumble and fall, but those that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. They run and don't grow weary. They walk and don't grow faint. Lord, we're here waiting on you. You brought us here this morning to give us a word of encouragement. Lord, I pray for those who are here who came, Lord God, at at mile 20, and they simply cannot go any further. Lord, may they hear in your word uh, an encouragement. Will you help them to do this assignment? Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord, we've put you on the line here. 
I'm asking, Lord God, that you would bring to mind as they look back all the ways that you have been powerfully present in their life. Lord, I'm praying that as they come into your throne room, that you would do what you promised to do, which is to hear them and respond with mercy and grace. Lord, I'm asking that you would give them eyes to be able to see the good that is coming. Lord, and when they sit down to look forward, I pray that they would be able to list three or four or five good things that are coming as they walk this journey. And Lord, I pray that as they try to take another look again, that you would quiet the doubts and the fears and the anxieties, and you would let your voice shine through, and they may know that you are absolutely faithful and that they will be rescued. God, please do this. We cannot go on without you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.